0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it.
1: Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We
0: are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make... America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Yes, we will, friends, and welcome to Praying for America. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life we're one of the largest pro-life organizations in the nation and in the world, and we are intent on winning this election. We uh, want to talk to you tonight about the path to the back to the White House for President Trump, not by any means an exhaustive analysis. In fact, in many of our episodes, we give you different bits and pieces of this story. But tonight I want to mention to you three states, and then one uh, thing about the primary, and one thing about the general election. And uh, together with that, I want to play a clip for you uh, that I taped in the past from Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, that talks about the issue of slavery. You know how the folks on the left want to tarnish the history of America by saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is a nation born in slavery. Well, we're going to take aim at, at that and refute that and give you some talking points about that. Let's begin, as we always do, with the Word of God. I want to go to one of my favorite passages from the 25th chapter of Isaiah. Let's go into God's presence together here. Isaiah 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make a feast for all peoples of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the veil that veils all nations, the web that is woven over all peoples. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God for whom we longed. We waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord whom we awaited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Let us pray. Father, we want to rejoice in the salvation you give us as individuals, as families, as churches, as a nation, as the world that you have made. We want to rejoice in the salvation you give us, and therefore we want to embrace it freely and effectively in the way that you lay out for us. Help us, Lord God, today to remove every obstacle to our salvation and also Lord help us to remove the obstacles to saving our nation the lies of the left help us to refute them the apathy of those who are not ready to get up and vote that we may transform them and Lord God give us the wisdom to know where we have to where we have to allocate our our efforts where we have to direct our resources in this important, this crucially important election. Give wisdom to your people, Lord God. We turn to you with confidence through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, in a moment, I'm going to give you three states that really are the path back to the White House. Now, obviously, all the states are important. We have the Electoral College we've got to win 270 electoral votes but some states decide earlier than others some states we know they're going to go one way we know they're going to go the other way that doesn't the fact that we know now which way they're going to go doesn't mean they're less important it just means that the majority of the people in those states decided earlier which way they're going to go and we got other states that are hanging in the balance this is the case with every election right i'm going to tell you the three i mean i've been consulting a lot of people i mean it's it not you 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 all, many of you all, can tell me uh, what these what these facts are as well, and what the best analyses are of political commentators. We're all talking with each other, trying to listen to folks who can uh, guide us in this area. But I'm going to share with you uh, my current uh, uh, analysis and thinking of what the uh, what these three key states are. But first, I want to give you an observation about the primaries, and another observation about the general. I was listening to uh, Charlie Kirk interview uh, Rich uh, Barris the other day. Good, good insights on, on all of this stuff. And I've also been um, reflecting on this with other people, too, who are in uh, uh, in the know in these political matters. Look, I've been saying for a long time, while I respect the primary process, that this primary has been decided on the Republican side for President Trump. Biden... Is focusing all his attention and and his administration and the Democrat Party focusing all their attention on trying to get President Trump out of this uh, out of uh, off of this path to the White House that he's obviously on. So they're focusing all their attention on him. They don't have to really worry about Democrat uh, opponents to uh, Biden. He's certainly not going to step away willingly. If he does, by the way, I agree with uh, various other commentators that it's not Michelle Obama that's going to be the swoop in at the last minute candidate on the Democrat side. Dan Bongino brings up an important point. She's a very, very private person. She doesn't like all the, 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 the stuff that her husband had to go through in the public limelight. You know, being president is not just a matter of service. It's a matter of battle. It's a matter of a, being under constant pressures and attacks. And it takes a toll on the family. And she saw that, well, first, about as firsthand as you can see it, uh, for eight years. I, really, I have never thought that she uh, uh, had any appetite for this and... Certainly people who have seen her close up and have worked in, 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 in her circles like Dan has uh, say the same. It's more likely that the threat would be Gavin Newsom. But of course, he's so far outside the mainstream of America. It's pretty persuasive on our side to be able to make the case that uh, he doesn't resonate with the voters. But be that as it may, the point I'm making here is this. The other side is laser-focused, all their energy now, all the money they're gathering up to do advertising, and it's all directed against President Trump. Meanwhile, what do we have to be doing on our side? we got to be dealing with an ongoing primary where Nikki Haley is opposing President Trump, who's double digits ahead of her, even in her own state? Look, here's what's happening. Again, I... I have the greatest respect for the primary process, for the candidates who want to step up, up to the plate and run, and for the voters who may have a different opinion about uh, who they want to vote for. I've always been in the Trump camp unwaveringly since 2015, and uh, that that is is I, I endorsed him, <laughs> I endorsed him as soon as he announced for his reelection a year ago November. So you know where I stand, but the point is this. Look, there's a lot of money being invested into a Nikki Haley continued campaign, and there's also, uh, I mean, I, my personal opinion, I think that she will uh, suspend her campaign just either just prior to or just after South Carolina, because the polling is going to continue to show that the writing is on the wall and she's going to have to decide do i want to endure the humiliation and embarrassment of losing so badly in my home state i mean i'm sure it's somewhere somewhere she's got some kind of a some kind of a level there some kind of a tolerance level you know if, if my if if my support is below this i i just going in through any kind of whatever she considers reliable uh polling and maybe i better not let myself uh get so badly damaged or not caring about that, or having some kind of notion that maybe somehow she can pull off enough momentum to somehow have a path to victory, which neither i nor nor I think anybody else can see she decides to wait until after such a defeat. We'll see, but I think that it's just coming to an end quickly, but the problem is even in the meantime, look at the money that's being spent and then the attention that 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 has to be spent by the, 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 the Trump team to counteract things that Haley is saying or doing. Uh, we don't have to be doing this. And, and the other thing, though, is this, and this was brought up by uh, by the uh, interview with, with Barris. Do you ever think of this? There are people who, who uh, are voting for Nikki Haley in the primaries not because they want her as president, but because they don't want Trump as the candidate. And so they're voting for her, but in the general election, they're going to vote for Biden. In those states where you're able to cross over, you know, where you can vote in the primary for whoever you want, doesn't you have to be a member of the same party. She's getting these folks who are not inclined to vote for President Trump and won't be in the general to vote for her in the primary. Okay, so what are you saying? What I'm saying is, what does that do to the voter files? Those of you that know the mechanics of how this works, you get to the general election and the campaign and the party, you know you're using this data from the voter rolls, right? To decide whose door am I going to knock on? whose door am I going to send? hundreds, thousands, hopefully tens of thousands of volunteers, hundreds of thousands of volunteers. Who am I going to send to knock on the doors and make the phone calls? Well, you don't just go randomly down the streets of the neighborhood. What you do is you look at the data, who voted in the primary? who voted in the Republican primary? You narrow down the data set because you only have a limited amount of time and resources and energy and people to knock doors and make phone calls. We're by the way pushing into that We're, we know we've said to you you want to do these kinds of things contact us and, and 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 we'll set you up with the mechanism to do it. but you all and no matter how big of a group you are, you always have limited resources. You are going to want to narrow it down to the people that are going to be most likely to give a favorable response. You know, the words that you you go for the low-hanging fruit. You know, you can nudge just a little bit, and you end up getting a getting a vote for your for your for your candidate. Okay. With the Nikki Haley phenomenon here of people crossing over voting for her just because they don't want Trump, but they're going to vote for Biden in the general. What's that going to do to the effort during the general for our side when people are knocking on doors and getting doors slammed in their face because on their data file, they're going to that door or they're calling that number because it's uh, on the data file, it's showing that this person voted in the Republican primary for a Republican candidate. So if you voted in the Republican primary, you're likely to vote in the general, presumably for a Republican. And this 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 campaign now with Nikki Haley is, is 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 messing up those voter files. It takes money to clean up the voter files. It's eating into time of resources of volunteers that are calling and knocking on these doors. Okay, you get the point. That's my commentary about the primary. Let's 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 end this thing and get all our, our energy focused together on. A Trump victory. Secondly, in regard to a Trump victory, when you look at the unlikely voters, and this is a very important segment of the electorate, the unlikely voters, a lot of polling polls the likely voters. I've mentioned to you that you know Dick Morris has looked at this and commented on this, and Charlie Kirk and others. You see a there's a that there is a a favorite, favorite among that group for Trump. We think about the, the uh, 2016 election. He won that because so many people who hadn't voted in a long time were inspired by this non-politician to get out and vote, and they did. And, and this was his victory. Uh, and then again in 2020, more people voted for him than had ever voted for an incumbent president before. So the point is, that the unlikely voters do favor Trump. However, that doesn't mean they're just going to get out and vote on their own. What I mean is without a nudge, without a phone call, without a knock on the door, without a reminder of some kind, we've got to activate these unlikely voters because they're unlikely. They're unlikely to vote. They favor Trump, but if they're unlikely to vote by definition, they need a little extra push. We need to remind them why they need to get out and vote and vote for President Trump, that's why, again, I want to urge you: you got to get involved, and get involved on the local level. I'm not just telling you to vote. I'm not just telling you to bring other people to vote. I'm saying look and connect with your local precinct. That's the, the the basic cell of our of our of our political structure, and become a precinct committee person, a leader in your community in the effort to register and activate voters. We've got to reach out. We've got to use every resource we have. Here's the problem. The Democrats, they have a losing message and they have utterly abominable records of of, it's not even policy accomplishments. It's disasters, one disaster after another, one destruction after another of America. And yet they've got a bigger infrastructure. It's not just about message. It's not even about just about policies. It's about the mechanics of the election. This is why people scratch their heads and say, wait a minute, the polls indicate that most people agree with us that, you know, marriage is one man and one woman and you can't change gender. You know, they point out. Very small, small, small percentage of the population. Very small percentage of the population believes in this abortion on demand without any limits that the Democrats uh, uh, embrace and try to impose on the rest of us. So then, then why did they win elections? It's because it's not just because of the message. It's not just because of the, the policies. It's not even just because of the candidates. It's about the mechanics of the election. Chasing the vote, chasing the ballots, doing early voting, getting uh, 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 ballot harvesting. We're in favor of doing these things where they are legal and doing it in ethical ways and doing it under the rubric of the law. The other side, they're lawless. They don't care. They don't care about anything. Listen, if your mindset is you could pull a baby apart in the womb by abortion, what in the world do you care about a signature on a ballot? Your conscience is dead. You can tear the arms and legs off a, of a baby. Well, then you, you can forge a signature on a ballot. It's no big deal, ethically speaking. They've got no conscience. But the point is that, look, we have to develop our infrastructure. This is key to winning. And we're not just talking about, you know, a lot of people, they're, they're, they're disillusioned and they they're done in terms of the structure of the Republican National Committee. Okay, fine to utilize other structures there's a lot of groups that are doing things we're doing things faith and freedom coalition with ralph reed turning point usa charlie kirk all kinds of other groups we're doing things brothers and sisters we're doing things scott pressler and what he does going around mobilizing voters i'm involved in this my team is involved in this get involved with all of us ProLiveVote.com, as you know, is our election website. We offer trainings. We're getting people out there. This is what we have to do. This is what you can do. So we've got to think about the structural problem, infrastructure problem. We're at a disadvantage overall. The folks with the wrong message, the folks with the destructive policies, and the folks with the dysfunctional candidates, they're the ones, ironically, that have the bigger structured funding and infrastructure and ability to get it out. Again, let me just emphasize this one more time. Not just about the message. we got to be better and better at echoing the message and explaining it and refuting the lies of the other side. But it's not just about the message. It's not just about the candidate. It's not just about the policies. It's about the ballots. And we're going to emphasize that more and more and more. Okay. Okay, three states. Okay, before we just... I'm going to tell about three states, and then I'm going to show you a clip, and then we'll finish in prayer. Three states. This presidential election, if you, if you want to know where you can focus your energy. Now, you might say, oh, look, I'm in my state. I only know people in my state. That's fine. But if you post something on social media, the people in the states I'm about to mention are going to see it, too. And you may know people in these states, or some of you are in these states. Three states: Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia bring us to the White House. I say, bring us. President Trump says this all the time. He says we are running for the forty seventh president of the United States, and we are. He represents us. Talk about represent. You know, there's nobody who has. Better embodied representative government than Donald J. Trump. He's all about representing us. They're coming after me because they're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. That's representative government. He stands up for what we believe, and he takes the arrows that are directed at us. Repre- Talking about representative government. So many politicians. That's just a hot air. Just a name floating in the air it means nothing. When it comes to their, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And the disparity between their promises and their accomplishments. President Trump has a disparity between his promises and his accomplishments. But it's a disparity the other way. He accomplishes more than he promises. That's the kind of person we need leading us. Let's stop fooling around. Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia. We're going to be focusing our efforts in those places. I invite you to do the same. Listen, I said it already at the beginning. You need 270 electoral votes to win the White House. Obviously, every one of the 270 is essential. It's just that some states have decided earlier than other states. When we talk about a state being blue, state being red, it means they've the majority they've decided as a state. Doesn't mean it can't change again one way or the other. Doesn't mean it's not important. No, it's essential. It's essential. Being they've already decided, we can focus our efforts on those states that are still wavering, that are still on the fence. When I say on the fence, as far as where the majority are going to go, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia, we're going to be beating this drum and saying to you, as we're saying to our own team, any extra effort, attention, or activity you can do in those three states to get voters Right now, registered, educated, mobilized. And as we said the other night, one of the greatest ways, simplest ways, common sense ways to get people to vote in the general is to get them to vote now in the primaries. Even though what I, despite what I already said, that, hey, I think this, this primary has got to be over in the sense of, hey, let's rally around President Trump. Even if Nikki Haley drops out of the race, it's, it's still you vote You vote in the primary. Let's show the overwhelming support that President Trump has. Let's show. But the other side of that, the other piece of that, I should say, is that we're activating voters now voting in the primary who then it's, 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 it's more likely they're going to vote in the general if they just voted in the primary. But, and you, you get them on the voter rolls in the primary and then the campaigns and the party will reach out to them to nudge them to vote in the general. This is how it works. This is how it works. Finally, I want to bring to you every once in a while. I'm going to go back to uh, other um, uh, segments I taped in regard to this book because the book, The Democrat Party Hates America, is something that we've got to read and reread. I hope you have your copy. If not, go ahead and buy it. It's one of the best educational tools for this election. And this this particular segment, just five minutes, I was talking about how, you know, Mark Levin points out in this book, these Democrats, these radical left people, He's nuts! They, they 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 think that America is is steeped in in slavery, and they they even advance this silly idea that the Constitution somehow is a racist pro-slavery document. Let's just look for a few minutes at this analysis that uh, completely blows that silly idea out of the water. And then we'll come back and we'll conclude in prayer. Dr. David Azarad from Hillsdale College. Um, points out the following. Because the Constitution does not explicitly recognize slavery and does not therefore admit that slaves were property, all the protections it affords could be applied to slaves. Any one of these provisions in the hands of abolition statesmen and backed up by a right moral sentiment would put an end to slavery in America uh, said Frederick Douglass. The Constitution of 1787 failed to abolish slavery because as we already said that was not the purpose of the Constitutional Convention. Uh, However, and and regrettably the early Congresses did not pursue a consistent anti-slavery policy. However, This is not an indictment of the Constitution itself. Again, Frederick Douglass saying, a chart is one thing, the course of a vessel is another. The Constitution may be right. The government, at any given time, may be wrong. We're dealing in our day with the same issue in regard to abortion. The Constitution, as the Supreme Court recently made clear, does not mention abortion or the status of the unborn child. However, it contains the seed of the extinction of any kind of violence or holding unequal uh, a a, a precious human being in the first nine months of their lives. And and that that was the purpose of this recent Supreme Court decision on abortion, precisely to let the people work the issue out through the mechanisms, again, that the Constitution itself provides. I want to read uh, here, because Mark quotes it at length too, a uh, speech from Frederick Douglass. Again, that kind of summarizes everything that we've been saying here. So, because some were, 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 were charging at that time um, the framers of the Constitution for uh, supporting slavery, uh, but Douglass defended the Constitution in the following words. Precisely do I have, what I have denounced, in fact, guaranteed and sanctioned by the Constitution of the United States, that the right to hold and hunt slaves is part of that Constitution. This is what others are charging him with, right? Um, that, 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 uh, that they would be sanctioning this. He says, but I differ from those who charge this baseness on the, part of, on the framers of the Constitution of the United States. It's a slander upon their memory, at least so I believe. Fellow citizens, there is no matter in respect to which the people of the North have allowed themselves to be so ruinously imposed upon as that of the pro-slavery character of the Constitution. In that instrument, I hold, there is neither warrant nor license nor sanction of the hateful thing. But interpreted as it ought to be interpreted, the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. Read its preamble. Consider its purposes. Is slavery among them? Is it at the gateway? Or is it in the temple? It is neither. While I do not intend to argue this question on the present occasion, let me ask, if it not be somewhat singular that if the Constitution were intended to be by its framers and adopters a slave-holding instrument, why neither slavery, slave-holding, nor slave can anywhere be found in it? What would be thought of an instrument drawn up, legally drawn up, for the purpose of entitling the city of Rochester to a tract of land in which no mention of land was made? Now take the Constitution according to its plain reading and I defy the presentation of a single pro-slavery clause in it. On the other hand, it will be found to contain principles and purposes entirely hostile to the existence of slavery. Let's pause there and turn back to prayer because, uh, again, Make sure you've got your copy of The Democrat Party Hates America. We're going to continue studying this book. But as you can see, I mean, it gives us so, so much insight, history, perspective, talking points, counterarguments to the crap that the left tries to impose upon America today, whether in our schools or in our public debates or even in our churches. Yeah, you know, and that's the... The simpler way to say it, the more direct way to say it, the Constitution is not pro-slavery. And anybody who tries to tell you that, that's a load of crap. Brothers and sisters, let's be strong here. Let's be practical. Let's go forward with all the tools God gives us to win back this nation. Let's turn to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for the uh, Constitution. We thank you, Lord, for the Colleagues that we have across this land who know how to analyze politics and trends, we thank you for the concrete guidance, what states to focus on, what trends we need to pay attention to, how we need to secure the ballots. Lord, give us the right messaging. Give us the right candidates. Give us the right policies. But Lord God, give us the mechanics. Give us the mechanics of how to collect the ballots. Help your fellow, help your people, help our fellow citizens to understand. It's not only a matter of converting and educating minds and hearts. It's a matter of collecting ballots. Lord God, you are the God who has created everything. You tell us to be wise as serpents. You tell us to know how to use the things of this world in service to you. You know, you tell us how to know And interpret the signs of the times. You tell your disciples that they have to be ready to build that tower and have all the materials they need to build it, lest their boast of building it lead them to seem foolish. You tell your followers that if they're going to advance against an army, they need to be able to count the troops on both sides to see if they have a chance of victory. Lord, you tell your people to be practical. You don't just tell your people to be idealistic. Lord, you don't just tell your people what the the end goal is. You tell them to be smart about how to get there. The gospel is permeated with the call to practical wisdom, not just theoretical wisdom, not just the right beliefs, but the right strategies. Give this to your people again, Lord God. Infuse us with wisdom. We have a limited time every day. More time goes by. When it goes by, when it goes by, it's lost forever. Help us to use the, the time wisely. Help us to seize the day. Again, your gospel is filled with admonitions about working while it is still day. The night comes, the Lord Jesus said. The night comes when no one can work. Election Day comes, after which the matter matter is decided. Bless us, Lord, with practical wisdom. And Now we join together all our prayers and praises, and we offer the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen folks you are great thank you for your commitment your patriotism your faith your connection with us connect with me on all the social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. I really love to see, interact with you there, Just not just on this uh, program, but let's uh, get together on these social media platforms and uh, encourage one another as we do the most important work that we can possibly do for this nation in the most important time frame the next 10 months. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor. Or you can call us at 321-500-1000.
0: Priests for Life. Saving lives for over 30 years.
1: This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.